0: This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky bourbon trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter
1: or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.ReveltonDistilling.com.
2: This Three Beards
0: Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that,
2: we got three words for you: like the podcast, nailed it. It's like to
0: sample some of my nuts.
2: And welcome back yet again, dear listener, to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company. We are broadcasting live from the Bedford Sportsbook Studio. I am Tim Johnson, as always, joined by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening?
0: We're doing all right. Not too bad. Week's almost ready. I'm, I'm ready for the weekend.
2: I, You know, I. it feels like Monday was like three days um Ago, but it also feels like it was about three hours ago. So I don't really know what is going on with this week. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to the weekend. If we could just find another way to sneak three or four more weekend days in there, I would appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no kidding. But working from home working from home, it's dawned on me. I still don't know what day of the week it is. I've no no concept (laughs) of what day of the week it is. I I suppose no idea.
2: I well, I I think it's good that you are definitely kept in, in the dungeon in your house anyway. It keeps you out of the public eye in general. <laughs> That's right. Which I think is a good idea.
0: That's right.
2: Uh well, I I tell you what, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on chit chat because I'm really excited to get talking with our guests. So, Chris, I will go ahead and let you introduce our guest this evening. Yeah.
0: So we are uh gracious uh and and very humbled uh Chris Hassel, CBS Sports, uh, two guys named Chris, Iowa Everywhere, former WHO. TV uh, sports anchor, was kind enough to hop on the pod tonight uh, from Florida, where I'm sure it's a balmy 80, 87 degrees
1: there. Ooh, it's hot.
0: Chris, welcome yeah. to Old Man Strength.
1: Yeah. We, we could just do it. Two guys named Chris and another guy named Tim. I know. Let's
0: do it. <laughs> right. no, I, I, like I, it. I was
1: actually out at the beach earlier today because I'm sick. I got sick last Friday. And I just, I, I'm still congested and like my doctor down here, he's he said like for sinus issues, for colds, one of the best things you can do is just go to the beach and get in the salt water. So I, I was at the beach today for about uh, an hour and a half because I had the, uh, the day off of work. I'm working tomorrow. I usually work Thursday and I'm off Friday, but uh, off Thursday, working Friday. So I, I'm hoping that uh, I feel a little bit better tomorrow.
0: Well that's good. Yeah, I, yeah,
2: I, I, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say I I I would like that. I've actually been a little bit under the weather myself. Uh the water here in Minnesota is a little <laughs> bit too cold to go to the beach and also <laughs> no salt. Uh, yeah, no no I,
1: saltwater lakes there. You'd have to go to Utah, I guess.
2: Yeah, exactly. But I am willing to give it a try for science.
1: Yeah, I this is the first time I've tried it. Like he's he's it's been in my mind before when I've gotten sick like ah, but a lot of times I'm just too sick to even go to the beach, but I'm starting to get through it a little bit. I just need to knock out this. I, I'm just still kind of stuffed up in my head, so I'm hoping this will get me over the hump.
0: I, I've had uh, just the last week this tooth pain or whatever, and I feel like it's going up into my sinuses Uh-oh. and everything else. So uh, I have a week before I get to go to this oral surgeon that I think is going to. Oh, jeez. And I'm not even sure it's going to get removed then. So I've been kind of a bear around the house. From well.
1: everything I've heard, tooth pain can be the worst pain of all.
0: It's it. I literally was laying in bed last night till midnight with just a throbbing toothache, and I finally just got up. Oh, it was, it's not. It's not like so much. Every once in a while, you just get a lot of sharp pain, and then uh-huh. it's dull. And but I'll live. It's not the worst thing. So. <laughs> So you were talking about uh, your work schedule. I, that's one of the things. I guess not necessarily your schedule, but what does your typical week and day look like? Right, you don't you don't have a typical obviously eight to five job. What what's that look like for you?
1: So I I usually I anchor CBS Sports HQ Monday through Thursday, and we were on the air from two to five your time Central Time on CBS Sports Network most days every now and then soccer moves us around. But for the most part, I'm, you know, I, I'm working almost a regular shift. Like I, I never had that when I worked in a WHO in Des Moines, I was always nights and weekends. And it was the same thing at ESPN. But this is, um this is nice. Like I, I, I get, I'm home pretty much every weeknight for, for dinner. Um, go in, in the morning, I'm home by six 30 or so. And then on the weekend is when things can kind of get, crazy in the fall and the winter, because I call college football and college basketball games. So uh, a lot of weeks, you know, if it's, let's just say the fall, for instance, in college football season, I work in studio Monday through Thursday, then I'll fly out to wherever my game's at on Friday, do the game Saturday, and usually don't get to fly back home until Sunday. So it, 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 that can be a lot, there can be a lot of travel, but um, I can kind of this time of year I can kind of recharge a little bit because I'm I'm only in studio four days a week so um, I kind of get some of those days back
2: do you still feel a pressure though like this time of year to be watching what's going on in the sports world just because they're there's still sports going on just oh yeah things that, that you yeah like it, it, it
1: we cover you know basically every major sport at CBS Sports HQ I mean we're Right now, we're heavy with... uh, I mean, today, obviously, would be like NFL schedule release. We'd be going nuts on that. NFL's our bread and butter. But this time of year, it's NBA playoffs. It's golf. PGA Championship's coming up next week. We're always talking NFL. We're always talking college football. To a lesser extent, college basketball when things happen. I mean, there's been a little bit of talk about what's going on with the gambling at at Iowa and Iowa State. But, yeah, uh, you know, I... I I do I feel like I need to watch more than I do. And and the reason I feel that way is because East Coast time sucks. It sucks. <laughs> there are often huge games that don't start until 10:30 on a weeknight here. And I can't stay up. There's just no way. Like last night uh it was Lakers Warriors yeah. game 5 and it started at what was that? 10 here. I made it to like the middle of the second quarter. And I just, I couldn't watch anymore. I mean, you I had to go to bed.
0: You did better than I did. Yeah, I know. I, it was like nine <laughs> fifteen, I think. And I was like, I can't, I, I can't do it. Like East I,
1: coast time sucks, man. I, I, I remember when I was in, when I was like working at channel 13 in Des Moines, I was a night owl because I worked until 10 or 11 every night. So I thought East, you know, East coast time would be great. Because I'm up all night, and when I worked at ESPN, it was yeah, I stayed up till three every night, so I did get to see everything. And because I worked nights, but not you know normal people, it's it's miserable. East East Coast time for sports watching is miserable. You got you have the national championship basketball game, often starting at like nine twenty Eastern time. It's just um, it's not good for this. So Central time is in my opinion much better i like mountain time the best i've been I, when i've been, gone to cover mountain west games like boise state um that's kind of where the sweet spot is it's not too early and it's definitely not too late i love mountain time west coast there's some people that swear by that <clears throat> waking up on sunday morning at 9 a.m and having football ready to kick off on Saturday, too. And not as many college fans out there, but 9 a.m. on Saturdays, we're kicking off, you know. But, you know, that's – hey, I get to live by the beach. I can't complain too much. <laughs> well, that's it's right. better than old Muscatine, Iowa. Yeah,
0: well, that's, that's where I was going to oh, go next.
2: Mus- Which, I,
1: guys, there is a beach in Muscatine. It's just a beach uh, for the Mississippi River. Uh, was a bunch I, of I, I
2: grew up in Wilton. So I, I Oh did you okay in, in, yes, yeah. So you so know all about just it. Down the road. Oh absolutely. Many, many a summer was spent uh learning how to water ski on the Mississippi. Um uh, oh my
1: god, you really did that? I see I'm too oh, afraid of that. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, no, I I I remember one time when, when when my sister was water skiing and and uh wiped out because she
1: hit a dead fish floating on the river. Uh. <laughs> I I remember my my mom for a year or two was friends with these people that wanted to go to I think it was a town it was near Buffalo Iowa which is between like Muscatine and Davenport right on the river and there was a beach there and you would you would go sit on the beach and wade into the Mississippi River and I remember accidentally swallowing water once and then getting violently <laughs> ill because I think that was back when they were just pumping raw sewage in there. And, oh, I, I have I have family members that will fish out of the Mississippi and eat the fish. I, yeah, I I'm mean disgusted I I don't it. even <laughs> eat fish
2: out of out of a lot of the lakes up here, frankly, um, <laughs> in Minnesota.
1: <laughs> I, I, even, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, My brother-in-law he'll 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 catfish. In, in Muscatine and in Davenport, and take it home, and they'll fry it on up. Oh,
0: no, thanks. It, I, no. I can't get that image of of uh, Seinfeld where uh, Kramer was swimming in oh. the Hudson. That's, that's yeah, that's the image I get. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, had, had, had that stink
1: person. on him all <laughs> the time. Just, just, What's that smell? It's the East River.
0: Just a dead person floating on by. <laughs> so let's get into Muscatine. Yeah. You, you grew up there. Um I mean everybody knows your you know your 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 on-air persona. Part of what we do here at Old Man Strength is just kind of talk about how you grew up, things like that. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people have heard a lot of things about your dad, but t- tell us a little bit about growing up in Muscatine and 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 what kind of parents you had and things like that.
1: Well, my dad will say he didn't grow up in Muscatine. He was born in Davenport. I, I lived the first three years of my life in Davenport. My dad's from Bettendorf. My mom's from Davenport. But we moved to Muscatine for my dad's job when I was three. So basically spent the rest of my childhood there until I went to college. And I didn't know anything different. I thought Muscatine was fine. I really did. I mean, I went to high school, made a bunch of great friends. But I was a terrible, terrible student in high school. Like I was pretty good I was a pretty good kid all the way through elementary, middle school, first year or two of high school. And then for whatever reason, once I turned fifteen, sixteen, I just <laughs> I just went off the rails, just started doing stupid stuff, started you know hanging out with people that were smoking weed, hanging out with people who were drinking on the weekends. And I just didn't care about going to school. I would skip school. My mom was the secretary at the high school. And I would try to skip school. One time I tried to, I forged a note from, I, I, I want to say I forged it from my dad because my mom worked there. So I was smart enough to forge it as my dad. And I, the note said, please excuse Chris at such and such time today because I wanted to go home and watch. I think Iowa was playing in the Big Ten basketball tournament in the, during the day, and I wanted to go watch it. So I said, like, his uncle died. And so the, the lady who, who got the note in the attendance office, she then saw my mom later in the day. They were friends, and it's st- something I didn't even think about. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about Chris's uncle. I hope that wasn't your, your, your sibling. And she said, "What? What do you mean?" "What? Well, like, well, his uncle died. His dad wrote a note today. And my mom knew instantly. Instantly that I made it all up. And god, I was in trouble. Big trouble. But my my uh my parents divorced when I was about 4. But um stayed in the same town, got mm-hmm. along just fine. Uh, my mom remarried and had a couple more kids, so I have two younger sisters, and uh, my dad always worked at Geneva Golf and Country Club as the superintendent, and I worked for him in the summers when I was in high school and college, cutting the grass and raking the sand, and trying to get up at five in the morning every single day of summer. That was tough, but uh, both of them just retired. My dad lives in Davenport now. Both both of them are remarried, and uh, uh, all all good. All good. I I make fun of Muscatine, but it, you know what? It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad of a place to grow up. I mean, I, me mean, I still make fun day. of Muscatine; it's fine. But... <laughs> and we make fun of Wilton. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, as do I. Yeah, for sure.
1: The I, only time I ever went to Wilton was we would take our dog to the vet there. Wilton had oh, really? like the best vet place in the area, and so we'd take our dog to the. Uh, the sun I think it was called like the Sunshine Pet Hospital in uh, Wilton.
2: Uh, it's the only one that's there, at least was mm-hmm. at the time. Um, right off the highway. It's not like that town can. Yeah, exactly. Not like that town can, can support more than uh, that.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> so you worked with your dad. Uh, I worked with my dad for several years.
2: Oh, yeah. So um,
0: I have several stories <laughs> that I could tell. Uh, what's tell people what it's like to work for your dad because it's not some people think i think some people think oh you had a cushy you got to work for your dad Uh, absolutely not right
1: no and i and that was in the early parts the first few years that was when i was at my worst and i was always breaking stuff i was driving too fast you know driving the equipment too fast wasn't thinking about um you know the damage i could do to this you know, these thousands of dollars worth of, uh, of mowers and, and pieces that they have out there. So I was always, I was always getting in trouble. He's always yelling at me for, you know, just, just slow down. Just think about what you're doing. You don't need to be driving around like a bat out of hell all the time. You're going to be working till 3 p.m. every single day. It doesn't matter how fast you go. And, uh, (laughs) one of the, the worst, probably the worst thing that I did, well, was two things I did um, they both involved vehicles uh, I'll start with um, I'll start with the gas issue um, <clears throat> my dad at the maintenance building where all the mowers are kept and everything they had this huge um, tank filled with there was gas on one side diesel on the other you fill up all your um, all your mowers, everything that you operate, right out of these big, um, and it and it pumped just like it would at a at a gas station, real mm-hmm. fast. And I just thought, well, that's my dad's gas, so I'm gonna fill my car up with it. So I took my personal car in high school and I started just filling it up at the gas tank at the country club where my dad worked, and. <laughs> I probably did it five or six, seven times, and finally he sees me one day. He's like, "What the hell are you doing?" i like, oh, "Wow, well, I'm just, I'm just topping off here." Like, why do you, you can't be, Why are you using that gas? We well, can't be using that. That's not yours. I said, "Yeah, but it's yours." He said, "No, it's not. It belongs to the country club. It, it comes out of our budget. You can't. You're stealing gas. You're stealing it." And I didn't understand that at all at the time but um the other thing that i did that was horrible was uh he was given a golf course truck to do things like um in the winter time he he was tasked with having to plow the parking lot at the clubhouse so that workers could get in and out so that families can come in and have dinner you know in, in the in the winter months and so he he would always have a blade on it in the in the wintertime. And in the in, in the summertime, he would use it to go, you know, if he had to pick up a bunch of fertilizer or whatever. Well, again, I looked at it as like, oh, this is our car. This is ours. So he would I'd be at home at his place. He would be out and about in his own car doing something else. And I see the keys to the golf course truck just sitting there on the on the counter and i'm 14 don't have a permit nothing and i just go out joy riding in the golf course truck and sure enough one of the members sees me and oh my my dad was furious but not as furious as he was the next time i took the truck <laughs> when
0: <laughs> I again.
1: passed him, I passed him on the road. <laughs> and I, I, I think I took off. And my dad, I remember like going, turning back around and like <clears> going <throat> into the neighborhood. And I had a friend in the passenger seat. Like I was taking my friend for a ride too. And he pulls up alongside of me. And he just goes, Christopher, take it home now and tell your friend to go home too. <laughs> and I told my friend Manny, You have to stay with me. If you stay with me, he, he won't he won't be as mean. He won't be as mad if you're around. So I take him back with me and I get out of the car and he said, Manny, go home. Gone. Get out. And he I that was probably the most mad my dad's ever been at me. And he explained to me like, look, I can get fired if people find out my son is taking my tr- my 14 year old son without any kind of permit or license is taking the golf course truck out for joy rides around town. <clears throat> so that's the kind of stuff that my dad had to put up with employing me at the at the at the country club.
2: So, obviously, at some point, uh, you, you put everything together, though. You pulled yourself together.
1: Not it wasn't until college, that. yes. In college, I, I did it. Yeah. Uh,
2: did, you, did you know in high school what you wanted to go to college for and what you wanted to do, or did you discover that later?
1: Yeah, I always kind of wanted to be a, a sportscaster because my dad, we'd watch the games, and he would turn down the TV volume and turn on the radio play-by-play guy. If it was an Iowa game, it would be Jim Zobble and then Gary Dolphin. If it was a Bears game on the radio, it was Wayne Larravee for a long time. Cubs game, you know, Pat Hughes. So I loved that. I loved the radio announcers, and that I God, I wanted to do that. If, probably from when I was six or seven years old. And I would play games, and as a lot of kids did, you'd announce the game as you're as you're playing, you know, on on Nintendo or Sega or whatever it was. Same thing out in the driveway or in the, in the, in the yard. Um, I I wasn't sure how to go about it. So I thought there was a chance I would go in and do what my dad did, which was, um, basically horticulture. Um, and eh, I figured out by working for my dad on the golf course that eh, that wasn't going to work out for me. long term. so i i actually my first year of college i didn't do anything broadcast related i went to mount mercy college in cedar rapids because i couldn't get into you and i i had a plan to go to northern iowa with my best friend john and room with him we were um two peas in a pod we base we were we were always skipping class together but he was smart and I knew he would you know at least I thought he'd do a good job in college and uh it turns out my my grade point average was so low you and I rejected me so I ended up I ended up going to Mount Mercy College in Cedar Rapids because my wife well my not now my wife my girlfriend at the time was going to Co and that was also in Cedar Rapids so I figured, okay, I'm going to go to Mount Mercy. I'm going to do some journalism stuff. And I, I did that for you the know, first semester. And then I thought, okay, I've got, I got to go somewhere else. I've got to go somewhere where I can do broadcasting. Because that, 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 I really knew then that's what I wanted to do. And, and Mount Mercy didn't have a broadcast program. All they had was journalism. So I could write. But I couldn't do anything radio or TV related. They didn't have those programs. And Iowa really didn't have that kind of a program then. They had a little bit, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't what it is now. And so I didn't really consider Iowa because I just thought that the class size would be so big that I probably wouldn't get many opportunities to do anything. So I, I can't even remember how I decided to check out St. Ambrose in Davenport other than I had a lot of family members who went there and really liked it but I went for a visit and visited um their campus tv station and met with a guy named Duke who ran the tv station there and a guy named David who ran the the radio station they're like yeah you come here you can call all the basketball and football games you want you can do you know sideline reporting you can do studio reporting you can be a part of our campus newscast that we put on every week and so I'm like oh that's it. That's where I'm going. So after my 1 year at Mount Mercy, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh I went to St. Ambrose and just did as much as I possibly could. Called a ton of games, traveled with the team uh around the, you know, the 4 or 5 state area where they played games. And I did that for for 3 years and got some internships and some part-time gigs and got some breaks and that's how right out of college i went to to des moines to replace andy fails who had just left to go to kansas city i remember and, that yeah it was it was <clears throat> wild and, and then it turns out andy ends up becoming one of my best friends when he comes back
0: yeah and then got to uh got to work with keith murphy and, and oh yeah and, that that, and that's
1: what Keith's the one that really sold it. Like, I I wasn't sure. Coming out of college, I thought that I would go the radio route. I thought I was going to go get some kind of real small-time radio thing, like maybe calling a single-A baseball team game. Or I remember I applied to be like the voice of the UAB Blazers, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't. I I couldn't. I could not, not talk have about a,
0: that. We don't talk about UAB on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we, uh, we, I, you know, they probably hired a guy that was 20 years older than me. But, uh, so I, I, but I ran into the, the news director from WHO, who's still there, Rod Peterson at an awards banquet. And he's like, Hey, we've got this guy leaving, going to Kansas city. We have an opening in our sports department. Love you to, we'd love you to apply. And so I didn't really know what to think because I never really thought I would be a TV anchor or reporter. I never, I never thought I would go, um, like shoot my own video at a sporting event. I, 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 I did not. I did a little bit of that in college, but I didn't think that I would do that professionally. But I went there and I met Keith, and I was just blown away by how different his sports cast was compared to everything that i had grown up with in the quad cities and how refreshing it was and how fun it was to watch and how nice he was and smart he was and uh i decided right then i i had to take the job but i didn't i didn't know how long i'd be there like i i feel like i've signed like year-to-year contracts every year i was in des moines because i just didn't know how long i would be there i didn't know you know, if I would go back into radio, play-by-play, play, or what. But I ended up there, I was there for, f- I think, five and a half years. Loved it. It was great. That's where basically all the really good friends that I have, other than John from high school, that, that's where I met him.
2: How many How many years has Keith been doing that now? That, that exact... <sighs>
1: He's been, I know he's been in Des Moines since I want to say about 89 or 90. Um, he started at WOI, the ABC affiliate. Mm-hmm. And he's, hmm, he probably went over to to, to WHO, the NBC affiliate in the mid 90s, I would say. Mid to late 90s. And then Andy Fails has been in that area. since so he went to college at Drake from like 93 to 97 and then uh eventually got a job at KCCI in 99 2000 and then Keith poached him got him over to WHO and he had that short stint in Kansas City and uh realized that what he had in Des Moines was so much better and came right back and I thought at the time I remember I was on RVTV my first RVTV 2007 um and I was about three months into the job and I remember Keith had his laptop in the RV but he had left and he left it open and it was on an email from Andy talking about wanting to come back and how he could come back and and then I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're going to push me out so that Andy can come back and take his old job back and Keith will say that was never going to happen and I know that Keith wouldn't have made that happen himself but I was really raw those first few months and I made some dumb mistakes lost the car keys to the to the station vehicle at, at a field storming at Kinnick Just some stupid stuff, (laughs) and Uh,
0: what kind of a panic was that?
1: Oh God, it was horrible. Horrible. I never, never found him either. Um, so I remember, I remember confronting Keith about it (laughs) that night, and you know he reassured me everything's going to be okay, but the station basically told me this is almost like an audition for you, another audition if like this week at RVTV, show us what you got. And thankfully, thanks to Keith, um, I did some memorable stuff. And when the week was done, I was told, yeah, I think we'll be keeping you around. And if if we can bring Andy back, it's not going to be for a sports role. And so eventually, Andy ended up coming back. And that's when he kind of, created a new they a new role for him as a um news reporter so he came back and started uh doing stories as a news reporter at night and then we met and uh hit it off right away and he's um definitely one of my closest friends now it's crazy because i at the time you know i was replacing him at first kind of and then Thinking he was gonna come back and take my job and then to a year or so later be like my best friend in Des Moines it was pretty wild. And David is right in this comment. Keith is as stand-up as they come. There's nobody better. There's nobody better at, at what they do than Keith. He's the real deal. Um I try I would trust him with anything.
0: This photo he shared today, uh, everybody was kind of teasing him because he had this Half beard going here. Yeah,
1: that's probably because it was after RVTV.
0: Right. And he couldn't shave it <laughs> in 2003. So
1: that was 2003. Okay. So that, that was when baseball, Iowa yeah. finally got the trophy back.
0: Yeah.
2: Again, another date. I don't, I don't. Wow.
1: That's to. 20 years ago now. <laughs> 20 years. Jeez.
2: Well, I, I mean, you, you think about it. You mentioned Quad Cities Sports television was nothing like the brand going on in central Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just the longevity of, of a guy like Keith. Uh, some mm-hmm. of these people who have been around for, you don't, you don't see that even in large market jobs, you don't see people that, that stick around for as long as they do. And have. And you're going to be seeing
1: a lot do. less of it moving forward too, because the, things are changing and not for the better. Um, it's too bad because yeah. we're not going to, we're not going to have a Keith Murphy ever again i don't think in in local tv maybe in some other role but um he i remember when, when i was watching local tv in the quad cities like sports guy would come on and be like all right we've got uh, the moline tennis team is uh preparing for the state duel meet and uh bobby, what? bobby why does he uh, have pissy a <laughs> Bobby Pissypants has a story on Ashley Larson and how uh, her path to trying to get back to her winning ways. And then they'll, they'll run like a 2-minute story on some random tennis player who is not even any good. And and then they'll show like a highlight from the Quad City River Bandits. And there was really not a ton of stuff like Iowa and Iowa State related. It was so no, hyper local in for like high school teams and just stuff that you didn't really care about. And then I go, I see Keith's first sports cast and it's all this different Iowa football stuff and Iowa state football stuff. And he's talking about stuff, NFL, big NFL stories. And it just seems so much bigger um, than what we were seeing, what I was used to seeing from a local sports guy. Cause he's smart. He knows what he's doing is why he's, been so successful for so long but he made it, and he made it fun and he put his personality into it and i had just never seen that from local tv guys before
0: i, I think what's connected him so well also with 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 central Iowa, was is, is the radio show that they do now mm. and and twitter has made people much more personable and in yeah. interacting right like so mm-hmm. um i think he's done really well at that he obviously um uh, I'm sure had a lot of opportunities to move on, uh, to move to uh, to ESPN, things like that, and pass that up. But you, on the other hand, took that jump. What mm-hmm. what, what 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 made you take that jump, Elias? Yeah. Has gotta, Elias has got to jump in because I was teasing him about his his lawn shoes today. So,
1: well, you know, Elias <laughs> Elias refuses to, uh, to 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 do the no mo may. You know, it's just too well, bad that he, you know he there's.
0: 'Cause that's about the dumbest thing. Does
1: not ever. care about the I pollinators. Know. I get it. If uh. you are if you're mowing your yard, you are the scum of the earth. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. Keith, Keith had several chances to go on to quote unquote bigger and better things. I mean, he told me straight up, Al Jaffe, the guy at ESPN, would call his house and be like, Hey, how do we get you to ESPN? We're starting up this thing called ESPN News and it was in the mid nineties when they were about to you know they had just launched espn 2 and they were really about uh, about to expand into espn news so they were hiring all these um these new anchors to to come on and keith he's he's like i'm i love it here i i've been here for almost 10 years i've you know, I'm kind of starting a family getting my roots down. I, I really like it here in Iowa. And because he, he's not an Iowan, he, he was born in the Northeast yeah. and was raised in Florida and he didn't get to Iowa until his mid twenties. But he had already at that point felt like he knew that was the place that he wanted to be forever. And so he, he just flat out said, no, so I'm, I'm going to stay here. Now in my situation, my told you I had been there about five and a half years and my contract was coming up this was I think my contract was coming up on January 1st 2013 so it was like the summer of 2012 uh, decided with the wife like because we were just living in a one-bedroom apartment this whole time just kind of year by year seeing oh, okay what are we going to stay are we going to go what's going to happen? And so we decided all right if if we don't if I don't like go find some just crazy offer that I can't turn down then I'm going to stay and we're going to hopefully you know buy a house, put down some roots, sign a multi-year contract here and really feel like this is home for a long time. So I wasn't going to leave for like a a lot of people just jump markets. Like Des Moines is market 70. So, you know, market, you know, 20 would be Minneapolis, something like that. You know, that bigger markets, that's usually how you did it. Bigger markets meant more people watching, more pay for you, more prestige. And you could be closer to the big time or whatever. But I didn't think that. Any local TV job would have gotten me out of Des Moines. I didn't... I really don't... Like if Houston said, "Oh, we've got a position open down in Houston for you to be a, a sports anchor. I, I I don't think I would have taken it. So I, I, I... It had to be something big, like network level. And so I, I sent my demo reel out mm-hmm. to 10 different agencies. I just... Went online, searched for like talent agencies in TV, for TV, sports reporting, newscasting. I found 10 different ones and I sent my reel to all 10. Didn't hear back from nine of them. Heard back from one. If management in New York City. And they said, hey, they called me up, said, hey, we, we like your, your reel. Um, it was actually what the owner of this, um, I don't know, the guy that ran the the agency. What he what really caught his eye was I was doing a highlight, an Iowa football highlight, and it was when Um Weisman was running all over the place, the oh, fullback yeah. in yeah. in twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. They were using him as like like Barry Sanders, and I and I said like, hey, they're keep giving the ball to Weisman. Well, one of his clients was Steve Weissman, who was already at ESPN, and so he thought that was funny or whatever, and so they they said, hey, why don't you come out here to New York City and meet with us? We'll take you out to dinner. So that was like a whirlwind. Like I, They flew me out there. I didn't tell anybody uh, other than my wife, obviously, um, on an off day. I flew out to New York City, met with... Uh, a guy named Josh Santry and um, a guy named Steve hers who was um, the guy who kind of ran the agency. Josh was an agent as well, but younger, about my age. And uh, kind of hit it off and they said, hey, we'd like to see what we can do and we'll, we'll pitch you to ESPN. Within a week, they had an audition lined up for me at ESPN. And I was blown away. I couldn't, I stunned. So I go out there and I just feel like I've got nothing to lose. I, I really wasn't nervous because like I told you, I would have been fine signing a long-term deal in Des Moines, buying a house, putting down some roots there. We're both, Where My wife and I, both from Muscatine, we're both from Iowa. I would have been fine with that. Had all my f- best friends are there. And so I go in, and I'm, it was crazy. It was one day, and I, I did like a 10-minute um, audition in the studio. And I then I, I met with like nine different executives who were just, you know, feeling me out, interviewing me. It, it was, I was wiped by the end of it. And my agent's said that they heard it went well and within a few days they called me up and they said hey ESPN just made you an offer a four year contract and I just I didn't even think it was an option like there was no I had gone into it saying I'm only gonna take something that's a slam dunk and I I knew I had to take it I might not ever get another chance I I didn't even consider <clears throat> excuse me staying in Des Moines like Keith did I didn't I, I just thought I had to do it this was this was what I my next step had to be and my wife was all on board with it and I, I told Keith and he was sad that I was going to be leaving but he 100% understood um, and you know, it, and, it, and it, well, I I don't regret it. I, I miss working with him and doing, especially the stuff that we did on Sound Off and on the Murph and Andy show. But <clears throat> that's what I've loved so much about doing two guys named Chris, the podcast with Chris Williams, because he was a friend of mine in Des Moines too. And I, I had always, even when I went to Connecticut and then I came down here to Florida every single day, listen to the Murph and Andy show. I'm, I still feel like I'm part of it. I still feel like I, live and die with everything Iowa and Iowa State and all the stories that you guys are following too, even though I wasn't there anymore. Because I felt like I could always go back. And maybe Andy had something to do with that. He went to Kansas City, and they welcomed him right back. So, um, he's a better man than I am, I'm sure. Um, maybe he would have thought more about staying. But I, I just... I was 28 felt like I had to do it, had to do it. And, um, I still, I mean, I don't regret any of it. I think every step of my career has been, I think it just, it's everything happens for a reason and everything has been great. I know mean, I've, I've never right now, I've never had a, been in a better position than I am right now. I love my job. I love the, the hours that I work, the life that I have. Um, and you know keith is a huge and andy too huge reasons why hmm. well
0: and, and i think that you're what you're doing with chris is is really great i mean it, it's 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 i rarely tune into like a live podcast as i'm sitting here having one hoping people tune in but hey. uh yours i i i kind of wait and because just the interaction and the, and the back and forth, you guys do a, a, an amazing job. And let's be honest, Chris Williams is the gold standard. I think when it comes to 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 this to this genre. So oh man, um, he, he
1: knows what he's, he's doing. He's amazing. I mean, he, he is. Does. Uh, yeah, he is a smart guy. And it, so when I was in Des Moines, um, you know, getting getting to know him, he was we were the same age. We graduated college the same year, two thousand seven, and uh,
0: <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> So, you know, we, we kind of,
1: we hung out and, you know, we would always be at Iowa state events together. And, uh, there was a point around uh, 2010, I would say that KXNO wanted me and Chris to do the morning show. And, I mean it would have been awesome, but there's like no way with our schedules that we could possibly work it out because I mean i I would have to like sleep in shifts because I would work I would work at the TV station Wednesday through Monday well, I'm always all I was usually off Tuesday and Wednesday, so I worked Thursday through um Monday. And then this would be Monday through Friday mornings from whatever that morning show is, six to nine or something. And I, I just, I, I need my sleep. And there was no way, no way that that was going to work. So we both said, I mean, it'd be great, but sorry, we just can't do it right now. And so we always thought, well, maybe someday we'll do something together. And then the last, I would say four years or so, every 6 to 9 months, you know, we'll have we would have a phone conversation and Williams would say um you know what we really need to we really need to start a podcast. We really do. And I would say, "Yep, let's do it." And then finally, Williams, you know, pulled pulled the plug, got his ducks in a row and decided to quit his uh radio gig and start Iowa Everywhere and um it worked out perfect. It's great. I love. I love it. I look forward to it every every Monday and Thursday. I really. I do. I. I. It's just fun. I, I always enjoy talking Iowa related stuff.
2: So I, I know we're kind of running tight on time. Um, we didn't really get a chance to talk about what it, what all projects you have going on today. Uh, it, it. It's great to see like the good fit that you have for you right now. Uh, the way you've been able to do, the, you know, your parody videos and all of those things—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's something that's unique, I think, uh, to your <laughs> job. That maybe a lot of your peers don't have an, an outlet like that. Um, I, is, what does that mean for you to be at this stage in your career and be able to have sort of this unique kind of personality and and creativity that you can you can yeah. broadcast as part of your job?
1: Yeah, it's. I'm pretty lucky. Because I think there's a lot of people in a lot of places that wouldn't have that freedom to do other things. It was one of the main reasons why I, I, I wanted this job in Fort Lauderdale at CBS Sports HQ. was that they, they allowed me to work four days a week in studio and call games on the weekends and to work for other entities. Like they, they said, well, we, we don't care really who you work for as long as you're doing your job for us the other days of the week. And so they were always fine with uh, calling games for w- w- if it was another network. They were fine when I said I wanted to do the podcast with Chris um, and they went with these videos um, that, uh, that worked out great because um, the, their social media department kind of had these ideas and they didn't, they weren't sure like who they would get to act in these videos, but then they asked me to do one and they're like, okay, that, this is a perfect fit. And it, the reason it was is because all the experience I had doing that stupid stuff in Des Moines on sound off. <laughs> and, and it was, it, so it really is. It's, I, I guess I I forget sometimes how lucky I am to be able to just kind of do a bunch of different things, whether it's anchoring in studio or calling a game or doing a podcast or doing a, social media skit um and i think that's important for this day and age when you talk about how there's not going to be another keith murphy the way it used to be is over like it's there it's very few people that are going to be able to just do one thing in sports media and be so good at that one thing that that's all they need to do i think moving forward you need to be versatile, you need to do other things. Like when I got to Des Moines, I needed to learn how to do other things. Like I I, I knew how to be like an on-air sportscaster and like present the news of the day and call a game. I had no idea how to shoot video of a game, how to edit that video together, how to go out and find a story at like the Drake relays. I, and, and that's why, I mean, I, I struggled at first. Keith took a real chance on me because I was. They could have gotten someone a lot more polished than me that had a lot more chops, that had been doing it a lot longer, that they wouldn't have to go through these growing pains with. But uh, he said he saw something he wanted to kind of mold. He was excited about that. And he got somebody that he could just. Hey, t- hey, go jump through that wall, and we're gonna film it for sound off.
2: Well, I think that's what's so fun about what some of the things that you get to do now from like a social media perspective mm-hmm. is—they remind me very much of those old sound off. Oh things. yeah, like yeah. sound off, sound off being almost ahead of the game on a lot of some of that. Oh
1: yeah, stuff. Right? Yeah, it's it, it is amazing how ahead of the game it was, and and Keith has always been. Um, <laughs> there were there were some things that. We did that really worked. There were some things that didn't work. There were some things that I did that I hated. I remember one of the things that I did on RVTV that first year when I said I was kind of almost playing for my job, like an audition, was I, we had like a, Iowa State was wearing those throwback 1977 Peach Bowl um, jerseys. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this was for the 2007 game. And we had access to those jerseys. there was like a mannequin that, I don't know, Jamie Pollard or somebody had out at the RV. And it had like the full thing, the helmet, the pads, the jersey. It looked great. And it was a perfect fit on me. So Keith had me put that jersey on and go around town and like talk to students about the game and about the jersey and what they thought. And then he had me... like, well, since you wore the Iowa State jersey, why don't, since you're an Iowa fan, why don't you just be a jackass Hawkeye fan walking around campus making fun of Iowa State students and we'll have a hidden camera. We'll (laughs) mic you up and we'll have a hidden camera. So I did that and that was like, I thought that was probably the best piece we did that week or that I did that week. I was, you know, I was... I had a I had a megaphone and I was saying you know I was standing up like in the quad, and, hey, my Iowa State fans, it's time to cash in the Chiswick coins. You guys suck. <laughs> Your coach sucks. <laughs> and these two guys came up. They were, went to school there. There was like three of them. They came up and they took my megaphone away. They tried to like one of the guys tried to pick me up and throw me down. And I we ended up like. I, I threw them over my head into the bushes, and then they threw my megaphone in the water. And it, you know, it. I ended up telling them a little bit later, "Hey, we're just doing this for fun." Because I, like, there was a time I thought I might get hurt, <laughs> but then of course we go back. We go back two years later, and Keith wants me to do the same thing, <laughs> and and I and I just I couldn't do it. I. I tried and I just couldn't get to the level that I was two years prior when I was like fighting for my job. And. Oh.
0: We lost him. Uh, Let's we'll see if he comes back here.
2: That, that's that's a shame. I was really hoping to be we able to uh, to ask our, our
1: Wintrust Morgan's question. Uh, here he comes. Oh my God! What what in the hell? What are you borrowing, Williams? Uh, yeah, internet service. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got the I got the MediaCom internet down here in Florida. No, so but Keith Keith was so disappointed in me when I came back. I came back the first time and I said, Keith, I just can't do it. I tried. It's not working this time. Can we pivot to something else? And he's like, no, no. We, this You can do it, Chris. You can do it. I know you can. I trust you. I believe in you. Sends me back out. And I just, it's just not working. It's not going to be funny. I'm more scared than anything else. <laughs> and I came back and I was like, this is all we have. And I showed him a couple clips. And he was like, Okay. Well, I I think you could have done better. You know, it's like a <laughs> like a very disappointed adult figure, d- disappointed oh, yeah. father figure. Like, yeah, I know you have it into in you. You just for some reason are refusing to do it, and I don't know why. And but there there were there were times when he wanted me to do certain things that it just didn't work for me. It didn't work like I couldn't pull it off. Thankfully, they were few and far between, but. I, I always tried to come through for him. But there was one time he, he I was about to go to Jamaica the very next day. I was getting on a flight in the morning to fly to Jamaica with my wife at like an all inclusive resort for a vacation. That was on that was going to be on a Monday morning. This was Sunday night. My last day of work. It's sound off. And Key says, okay, you can't go home tonight until you do something memorable on camera. <laughs> so he wanted me to think of something to do on camera that he could play on sound off. So I'm just racking my brain. I, I, have no, I, I don't know what to do. I just want to get out of there. I just want to go on vacation. So I... I'm like scavenging through the building and I'm in the basement and I find, I I have this idea. Okay. I'm going to act like I'm like running through a wall. I have a motorcycle helmet and the Heisman trophy. We had the Heisman trophy there, like one of the replicas. So, okay. I'm going to find something to put in front of the door that I can like bust through. So I find all these ceiling tiles down in the basement, so I grab eight of them, stand them up in front of a doorway, and I'm just going to I'm gonna grab I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna start with the camera. It's gonna be shooting the Heisman Trophy. It's going to pan slowly pan up to me in my underwear, holding onto a football, <laughs> wearing a motorcycle helmet like a woman's motorcycle helmet with no face guard, no like my face is open and I am going to run as fast as I can, dive into these ceiling tiles and burst through the door doorway. So I do it. And it is horrendous. I'm in serious pain. <laughs> The ceiling tiles like combust; they get they, they they get all broken up, and these little pieces of fiberglass in the ceiling tiles <laughs> are inside my skin all embedded, over my body,
0: embedded into your skin. Oh,
1: it was horrible because it I wasn't wearing all I had on was underwear, so it was everywhere, all over my back, my chest, my legs. And not, not, not only am I in a bunch of pain, but now I'm starting to worry like, oh God, ceiling tiles discarded in the basement.
2: I started like asbestos.
1: Did I just kill myself? Did I
2: just give myself cancer? Yes.
1: So I remember emailing the, uh, what amounts to like the janitor of the whole building and told him what I did. And he wrote me back. He goes, oh, no. You took from the asbestos pile? And he was like, just kidding. You'll be fine. But, but it, 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 I'm telling you, it ruined that, that next day. Because I was in pain the whole day oh, on the on way to Jamaica. And I'm thinking of all these, like, how are these things going to get out? Like, how long is this going to hurt? This is terrible because they're like all these tiny little cuts all over my body. How is this going to feel when I go into the salt water? Thankfully, the pain really only lasted a day or so and I got over it. But my God, that was such a dumb decision. And Keith, to this day, I tell him that he forced me into that. And he's like, oh, you could have done something else. You could have done something else even better that you wouldn't have gotten hurt.
0: Well, I'm sure Keith's a loyal listener. I'm sure he'll pull that video right up for us now.
1: <laughs> I, I wish I had that for you guys because I looked uh, I looked pretty special uh, with the, it was a green <laughs> motorcycle helmet. I, I I was in pretty good shape though I think at the time, so I, I looked pretty good in the underwear. But,
0: but Tim, I'll let <laughs> you ask that final question, and then uh, and then we'll 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 get Chris to on his time. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this question is brought uh, to us by Chris uh, Mortgage and our friend Carl Lehman over there. Question we ask everyone who comes on the pod.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Chris Hassel from ten years ago. What advice does he have for Chris Hassel today?
1: Mm, and, and what
2: and what advice do you have for Chris Hassel ten years ago?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Oof. I think that's done. Well, that's obviously tougher because I don't know where I'll be in 10 years, what I'll be like. 10 years ago, that's good because I had just gotten to ESPN. I was in my first half year there. Um, the advice I would give him is uh, not to think too much, not to be so micro. <laughs> Like, I felt like when I was at ESPN, it was like, I'm just like every day there's some big wig in a corner office that's saying, okay, if, 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 if you know, if he does this, I'm going to put him on this big show. And if, but if he does this, he's never going on this again. Like, I, I felt like every day you had to be almost perfect. And I didn't, um, I just didn't live my life like I should have probably. like I was just always concerned about trying to do the right things at work and trying to move up and trying to have everyone like me and understand me. I remember when I started to move up at ESPN. This is the biggest mistake I made. I started to get promoted and they started sending me to like Los Angeles to do sports center at night with Stan Barrett following an NBA playoff game and i was i kept getting put in really big <clears throat> spots on really big shows and i didn't enjoy it because i felt at the time i felt bad for the other anchors who had been there longer or that came in with me that I was friends with, I felt like I couldn't really enjoy it, be myself, because I was wondering, like, how do they feel? Um, why? Why am I getting this chance and they're not? And you just can't do that. You can't, you can't live that way. Um, you just you you get something great, take it and run with it. Um, don't don't feel guilty. Um, that that was probably the biggest mistake that I made that and just trying to meet with a bunch of people who I thought I needed to meet with and I, I needed to have them understand me and I needed to have their um blessing on things and I just stuff that took up a lot of my time that didn't need to happen. It didn't mean anything. It didn't matter. Um, a lot of, there's just no rhyme or reason for a lot of things that, that happen. And, um, so I would say that's probably that and like quality of life. Like I, I I was doing some cool stuff, but I was working every night and every weekend and every holiday. And, um, you know, sometimes it's worth a little bit more to have a better home life Better work-life balance, uh, and I I didn't have that for a few years, so that's the advice I would give. Um, Chris from ten years ago, Chris from ten years from now.
2: Yeah, that that one that one's kind of a, a, a caveat question because that one is kind of getting at what David Larson asked earlier uh, of what is ten years. Yeah, that's Chris. Yeah. Has to and that's doing. a good
1: question. Where I don't even know where I see myself in, in ten years. Like I think. I I know this, I know 10 years ago, I thought at this point I would, I would be calling NFL games. I would be calling big college football games. Like I I had, I thought I would be doing like, I thought I'd be a bigger deal than I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think I'd be doing an Iowa podcast, um, but that's been one of the most rewarding things I've done. I love it. Absolutely love it. I didn't think I would be, you know, Working out of a, you know, doing digital media stuff in at, at CBS. I mean, I. But these are two of the greatest things I've ever done. So, um, I guess the the advice for ten years from now is just kind of remember how good things can be, even even if you're not getting the exact assignments that you want and think that you deserve. You can still. Really appreciate everything you have and put things into perspective um, with a nice work balance and um, just kind of... You can do whatever you want, really. I mean, with with the different platforms now and different social media, like, don't pigeonhole (coughs) yourself into one thing. Like, I always thought I was just going to call games. That's all I was going to do. I wasn't going to do any funny videos. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do a podcast or a radio show or anything like that. So I I think that's important to also just kind of let life lead you where it needs to, your, your, your profession and don't do things you don't want to do. That's, that's another thing. Like I would love to tell myself 10 years ago this. And I do tell myself this a lot. There are certain things that people think you should do. And sometimes I just say, you know, I don't want to do that maybe that would be better for me in the long run um, to get higher profile jobs or games but if it's by doing stuff that you don't want to do, that you don't really believe in I don't think it's worth it because I did a lot of stuff at ESPN that I didn't believe in, that I didn't want to do and it didn't get me anywhere, didn't matter some things just don't matter.
0: Well, despite that, we're glad that you decided to still come on this podcast.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love it. Uh, really enjoyed uh, talking with you guys. Uh, fun. Maybe. I mean, uh, you know, two Iowa guys, podcast, two guys named Chris and Tim.
0: Two, uh, maybe uh, maybe Chris will give you an assignment in a couple of years. You can go to the Iowa campus and talk shit about Brian Ferencz while he's still there.
1: Dude, I'm telling you, man. Iowa fans hate me a lot more than Iowa State fans do.
0: Oh, I, I I'm not surprised because you don't sugarcoat it.
1: If I if I went on the Iowa campus and did what I did
0: <laughs>
1: in 2007 and said what I said, did what I did to Iowa State students, and did that to Iowa students now, oh my God! I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have gotten out of there alive. <laughs> there
0: we go.
2: Well, thank you chris very much uh thank you just for your stories uh your wisdom your humor uh it's it's something that i think uh it's a reason we've wanted to have you on this podcast so thank you very much for for all of that is there anything that you want to plug in any way to plug no 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 i don't
1: um well let's see Uh, uh hmm i still haven't gotten that fairway meat box i was promised by chris williams so, i mean if, you, if there's anything you guys can do i mean but, if
0: that shows up it'll just ruin the bid at this point it would.
1: I, <laughs> I, I, I told chris that too he's like he's like hassle look i'll get you the. if you really want this thing i'll get it. and I'm like you know what at this point i think it's funnier that it doesn't come
0: it's the principle of the matter at yeah the
1: yeah so well i i really appreciate you guys having me on and um, for all the nice things you have said,
0: no, Enjoyed. thank you, absolutely. For about for about five yeah, seconds it's... into that, I thought Tim was talking about me, and then I realized he was saying something nice, so it was
2: clearly not. <laughs> a- <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, e- excellent. Well, Chris, anything else,
0: Chris Shipy, nope, Anything uh, else you want to cover? No, other than other than uh, I want to shut this out real quick. Revelton is releasing their second distiller's edition of their new rye whiskey may 27th it's only available at the distillery so make a trip down there in a couple weeks get that uh, distiller's edition of revelton's rye whiskey
2: so that looks good excellent it is good excellent well we have some more uh news to come with three birds media so please go ahead and stick with us But once again, you have wasted another hour of your time listening to Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media, brought to you by Revelton Distilling, WinTrust Mortgage, and broadcasting from the Bedford Sportsbook Studios. I am Tim Johnson. You can find me on the interwebs at TimJohnsonMN. You can find Chris at CyGradCyDad. Chris Hassel, you are Hassel underscore Chris? got it right excellent perfect so please go ahead and check out all of that go ahead and check out all of our other great content on the three beards media network and we will see you guys next time